careful when I lean back in this chair. I did something to it today where I leaned back and then you know that feeling when your axis of gravity when you're sitting down gets all upset because you lean back a little farther than you are supposed to normally in your chair and then you think, oh, this is it. I'm going to die now. <laughs> yeah, I always think about... Um... Do you ever have a teacher talk about leaning back in your chair in, like, elementary school? And they would say that, like, oh, I know a student who did that once and cracked their head open and have to go to the hospital. They put the fear of God into you sure. uh, to not lean back in your chair. Yeah, it's it, it, it really is like I'm just – get especially upset when my – my balance uh, is overtaken or uh, disrupted to this degree. So there is mm. just that split second of like, oh, this is too far. No, 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 no. <laughs> and thankfully it's, thankfully it's okay. Like, I, I think I fixed it. So don't worry. I don't tend to lean back much when we record because I need to lean forward into the microphone. Uh, I, le I lean away from the microphone to breathe. And I tend to be quite engaged because, of course, we are talking. I'm talking with my co-host Lucas Mancini here on Elwood City Limits and... My name being Will Young, so there's yes. a lot of always interesting thing, interesting things to talk about in the world of right. Arthur and otherwise. If you thought you uh, your name was not Will Young, but instead Fat Joe, uh, with all this talk of leaning back, uh, you'd be sorely mistaken, because of course you're Will Young. Careful with that reference, it's an antique. Welcome everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode as we go along here in Arthur Season 17. Um, not much up front. We're going to get into the episode uh, fairly quickly this time. We don't have any emails, but if you do want to send an email, you can do so over at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com, or uh, feel free to send us a message on socials as well. The only other thing that I want to say, of course, is thank you to our patrons. Now, over on patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits, of course, you are hearing this episode a week early, and... Uh, coming up next week, we are going to have our next episode of Elwood City Limits Origins, which is our newer sister podcast that we've been doing for the last couple of months. I believe this is going to be episode four we're coming up to, and I'll talk a little bit more about the episode of that that's coming up at the end of this show. We've already talked about it, of course, but this is our final pitch to you before patrons are going to get that full episode next week. Patrons like... Emily Kay and Stella. Thank you to Michaela Gibson and Matt. Thank you to Revd and EJ Acra. Thank you so much to Hannah Kitten, Nicholas DeMarco, Robert Morrison. Thank you to Vinny Cataldo and JHC. Thank you to JWags and Derek Richopo. Thank you to JP as well. Thank you, Rory Forever, Tyler Bozetsky. Thank you, Jeff L. Thank you, Katie P. Thank you to uh, Maria Gisselquist and to Cyril Delarosa. And finally, thank you to Hay Strouder, among many others. If it's been a while since you've heard your name, uh, just let us know via Patreon or via the ECL Discord. Send me a message over there. And then again, that's patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. But let's get into it. We're talking about Arthur. We're here on season 17. The last couple of episodes, we've only just really begun the season. You know, we had our dog and baby episode, and then we had a focus on two characters that are fairly new to the game. That's being the the Compsons, Bud and LaDonna. And now we get focus on another character who's been around for a while, but has really been more in the background, or more accurately, part of another character's story. This is called Molina's Mulligan, and it's all about Alberto and his dad. 
Yeah, a blast from the not-so-distant past, uh, checking in with the Molinas. And what's more, Lucas, not only the Molinas, but this is something I think that we was we were wondering recently in this cold open, the return of Bionic Bunny. Bionic Bunny is still here. Not only that, I think this is the first time Bionic Bunny has hosted the cold open in terms of, like, he does the Ferris Bueller address the camera. Bionic Bunny's certainly been in many a cold open, but I think this is the first where we hear, like, Bruce Dinsmore in the Bionic Bunny voice addressing us as the audience. Hate, hate to correct you, but we're going to get corrected. Oh. This is Arthur Holden, the voice of Mr. Ratburn. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. It's hard for me to not hear Mr. Ratburn just, like, projecting when he's doing this voice. Uh, so this is Bionic Bunny telling us that the hardest part of being a superhero, there's a lot of difficult parts, as he's using what looks to be the Washington Monument to correct some sort of natural disaster going on. And no, it's so it's not coming up with creative solutions to natural disasters. It isn't laying off the sweets so I can fit in the tights. No, the hardest part of being a superhero is the fans, which while Bionic Bunny is trying to save the world, a fan interrupts him to get his autograph and breaks him of his concentration and seemingly dooms the planet. And this guy is, I mean, there there was a Twitter thread recently talking about how modern cartoons still do the thing that they used to do in shows like Freakazoid and Tiny Toons, a lot of the Steven Spielberg cartoons, which is making fun of dumpy nerds. And that is a practice that has been going on for decades now. And frankly, like, I'm a dumpy nerd and I'm okay with it. And this is another yeah. this is another example. This guy, he's got the he's got the he's got the standard look here. He's got the jeans, he's got the oversized t-shirt, he's got the baseball cap, his his hair and skin routine. I don't think he has one to speak of. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty stereotypical in that sense. But it, it, speaking as the the group that's being made fun of, I'm okay with it. It's a reminiscent of uh, what's the lead, red letter media bit where they pretend to have the fake nerd podcast and they oh have yeah the, uh, the nerd crew I think it is the, yeah the nerd crew and they have the Funko Pops and the Star Wars and Marvel ephemera all over the place um, it looks like something out of the nerd crew but specifically about Biotic Buddy very cool very cool very cool <laughs> very cool uh, that's one of my fa- that's one of my favorite bits that they've done but it was also a good idea to kind of leave it where it was and just not over not not overplay their hand mm. so seemingly fans will be the doom of us all that's not, that's not exactly what we're getting at though with this cold open what we are getting at is that this is an episode about Alberto so Alberto as we've seen before He's a very athletic, he's 13 years old. Um, he's a very athletic kid. He's outgoing. He's friendly. Although in his first episode, he was a little bit a little bit colder to Arthur, but he certainly warmed up over the years. And he, we see this, so this must have been a slow news day or something. It seems to be on the front page of the Elwood City Times that Alberto's soccer team became the American Junior Soccer Champions. The other, did you notice the other article on the front page? I forget what it was, actually. What was it? Cro- Crosswire car sales. Now, we don't know if this is negative or positive, right. but given what a large portion of the Elwood City economy seems to be tied up in, um, you know, Crosswire Motors is almost the test. What the Tesla Motors is to the American economy, Crosswire Motors is to Elwood City. Uh, and so I'm very curious, are Crosswire car sales up or down um, but yeah, you're right, Will. This is surprisingly uh, not the big headline story. The big headline story is about Alberto's soccer performance. 
I would not be surprised if the Crosswires just owns the local media. Like they're just the mm, uh, like the Irvings. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or um, um, oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name from uh, 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 like Charles Foster Kane. Like they just mm. own. Just own the newspapers, and then I just got a haunted thought of, guess what, Buffett? I bought Twitter. <laughs> Ed Crosswire, probably. Like you would just be getting instead of like spam posts about crypto, you'd be getting spam posts about Crosswire Motors, which, frankly, I would love to see more of that uh, in place of what we have now. So yes, Alberto makes the front page American, American, like the whole country, junior soccer champions, and. Alberto's dad, Mr. Molina, is his biggest fan, and it makes Alberto a little bit embarrassed how over-the-top he can be about it. So Alberto goes out for a run with Arthur, and on the way there, they run afoul of an errant golf ball and golf club, which actually belongs to a returning character, Chip Crosswire. It's one of those guys where it's just, you know, if you told me that the next time we see him is the last time. Like, I'd have to believe you. I didn't have any expectations as to whether Chip would ever make another appearance. And it's been a minute. Now, I, I have a couple questions about this. Okay. Actually, let me pull up a picture of Chip Crosswire. Because I feel like his character design has changed ever so slightly. You know what um, I noticed about him here? To go along, to, like, to, I, I kind of agree with you. His, like, nose, his snout area looks a little bit bigger than I'm used to seeing yeah. it. I also think his head is a little bit longer. Like, now okay. I'm looking at old pictures of Chip, Quash, Chip Crosswire, and he looks a lot more like Muffy. Um, mm-hmm. His head is kind of squished to the same shape as hers with this kind of haircut. Whereas now they've made him look a lot more like Ed, where he right. kind of looks like a, a slimmer Ed Crosswire. Um, I also think, does he have the same voice? I don't know. I can't remember what his voice was like originally. This time, it sounds like Bruce Dinsmore doing the voice, but they just pitched him up a little bit. That that that's my that's my guess mm, at least. Maybe mm. Pe- maybe Peebs can tell us for sure. Uh, looking just... at the Arthur Wiki, he is voiced by Corey Doran. Corey Doran. Okay, there were a couple of line reads that made him sound like like Bruce, but maybe maybe I'm completely wrong about that. This is a Chip-involved episode. He is practicing his golf swing. Muffy refers to him as the Chipinator a couple of times. And Alberto returns the club and the ball to him with a supposedly, like, ace um, swing. Golf swing. Sorry. I'm probably going to get some golf terms wrong. I'm not a huge golfer. My dad is, but not me. Uh, and the more that Alberto gets into it, like, so they invite him in onto the grounds, he hits a few more balls, he does a really uh, key putt, and it seems that he's a, just a natural at golf, despite knowing nothing about it, and returns the Crosswires Club, and Chip challenges him to a friendly competition at the local golf course, and Muffy is going to be Chip's caddy, so Arthur offers to be uh, Alberto's caddy, even though he doesn't really know what a caddy does. So he begins to read from this book. There's a couple of books, fake books in these episodes that we're talking about. This one is McKinley McCaddy's Advice for Caddies from the Daddy of Caddies. Hmm. So move over Cave Daddy. Now we've got the Daddy of Caddies. Um, They say it's your daddy's caddy daddy book. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Ooh, daddy book. I don't know. That's uh, that's not for you yet, Arthur. Uh, Arthur is reading this book, and he's imagining th- how to be the best caddy for Alberto. I mean, 
I, you know, I must admit, I don't really have a good sense of what makes a great caddy. I know that, as they say in the episode, offers them, offers the golfer, you know, the best club, the best advice. But Arthur is taking it to the point where he kind of wants to be Alberto's butler. And there's, there's this imagination sequence where he's imagining that Alberto is at the British Open. He's one stroke behind a golfer named Jaguar Forest. I wonder. I wonder how long it took them to come up with that one, eh? Mmm. Mmm. I. I wonder. Yeah. Maybe. You know, Tiger Woods's people didn't call them back, and he was supposed to have a cameo in this episode or something. Uh, we're supposed to get some sort of authorized version of Tiger Woods, and all we're left is with the cameo of Jaguar Forest. You know, Tiger Woods is actually like the caliber of celebrity that I would expect to have done an episode about Arthur, like an episode where. The brain is trying to learn about golf, and then Tiger Woods is like, "You're thinking about it too hard, or something." Like, mm. y- you just got, you just gotta believe in yourself, etc., etc. I really <laughs> would like you, to know. You just gotta trade with the Navy SEALs, and then let them beat you up. <laughs> I would really love to see how bad of a voice actor Tiger Woods is, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately, for many reasons, we'll never know. So, in this imagination, Arthur's not only getting. Alberto his club he's getting him sunglasses he's even feeding him he gets him a turkey leg and then uh, even a, has a garbage can for Alberto to dunk it into and that's Arthur's idea of what being a caddy is like so now we're at the competition and Alberto is there with his dad and Alberto is very embarrassed by how extra his dad is and this happens whenever he picks up a new sport as he says to Arthur his dad gets really into the idea of Alberto being the best and has a hard time of not going overboard about it. He comes to the green with a shirt with Alberto's face on it that says, the Dean of the Green. And he even has some more rhymes about it. He's he's like already, he's just like, he's the Dean of the Green, he's only 13 and all this kind of stuff. He's ready. He's got the branding on point. He's like a, he's, he's practically, a, this is the ball family going on here. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Dean of the Green Ringer tea. Uh, <laughs> there's a part earlier in the episode where um, Alberto's kind of explaining to Arthur this phenomena of how his dad is always a little bit too keen on his um, his athletic achievements, and it's he's a little and, too keen on the Dean of the Green at 13. You know, oh man, that rhyming caddy books really got you going. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, Arthur responds with, "He's like." You know what? That does sound pretty embarrassing. Um, and I kind of agree with Arthur here. This is pretty embarrassing. The t-shirt's fairly gaudy to the point where Arthur kind of refuses donning one. At one point, I, I think this is just poor court etiquette, uh, poor uh, golf course etiquette. Um, he's blowing a Vuvuzela? Um, <laughs> Which I feel like that would have been very... Um, I don't remember the year... That the World Cup had all those Vuvuzelas and the world was briefly like Vuvuzela crazy. I want to say that was like around 2012, 2013. So maybe around here and they got the idea of like, I just, I've got the greatest joke that's never going to age. And it's about Vuvuzelas. So yeah, yes, he's being very extra is how I put it. So Alberto actually wins the game, but he does get upset with his dad afterwards and pretty much just tells him how embarrassing it is that you know, he's so over the top in his praise of him. So from this game, now I don't know, again, there's a lot I don't know about golf. So Mr. Molina tells Alberto 
that the golf the golf club that he played at the um, country club I guess it is or whatever tallied his score and that qualifies him for that club's junior championships. And Mr. Molina does the thing where he's like, "Oh no, I'm I'm busy that day at the cafe. He owns a cafe, and he's not able to go." And Alberto, about Alberto's pretty fine with this, and this uh, competition is all set to go. But he's initially doing quite poorly. I do want to mention here, um, we get a we get a healthy slice of Harry Mills here, which I believe we mentioned maybe the last time he was here or one of the last times he was here. It's like. I'm really impressed with how committed they are to continuing to have Harry Mills show up here and there, especially because, like, him and Bitsy aren't dating anymore. Like, he's just kind of Buster's mom's ex-boyfriend at this point. Well, he's he's basically, when Buster's mom isn't used for whatever reason, just the stand-in news reporter character at this point. Like, anytime they need someone to be the media to make an event really official uh Harry Mills shows up again do you think this is going live like he does a little interview with uh with Chip and Alberto and even Muffy gets in a plug for Crosswire Motors is he going going live here is this a live hit oh I feel like no there's no way like they're <laughs> they're chopping this up in the stew and putting it on the six o'clock news later tonight I think yeah you're pr- you're probably right I did also have a random question. There's a crowd of onlookers here. You know, Arthur's there, Muffy's there, and a bunch of other background characters. Not that she can't be here, but why is Mrs. McGrady here? Does she have any connection to Alberto? I I, I don't understand why, like, <laughs> anybody cares about this whatsoever, really. Like, it's like, it's, it's too... 13-year-olds having a friendly, like, golf match? Why is, like, why would any adult, why is the news commenting on this? There's a a couple of instances in here of just, like, why does the news care this much? And just, like, slow news day in Elwood City or something. So the idea here is that Alberto is doing poorly all of a sudden, and he can't help but imagine his dad. We even get, like, the the turn-on-its-head version of one of Mr. Molina's chants, Alberto, Alberto, he's full grown, and now he wants me to leave him alone. As he imagines his, like, force ghost there. But Arthur, as he does try to be a good caddy, he calls Mr. Molina, who asks for a second chance to support Alberto. And he tones it down this time. He tries. He's quiet, he's not over the top, and it allows, it gives Alberto the support that he needs because Alberto realizes that although his dad, his support and the way that he does support him by being very loud and boisterous and into it is annoying. It is an element of his success. And that's, I mean, that's a good thing to do. What I appreciate here is that, you know, Alberto being an older character, 13 years old, we're able to tell stories that are maybe a bit above the typical age of somebody watching Arthur. When we started watching Arthur, we were around eight years old or younger. And for 13-year-olds, there is a bit more of a story where you can take about wanting to be independent from your parents. Obviously, you can do that practically at any age. But with Alberto, it feels even more appropriate because he's a teenager. So he really wants to assert his independence. And you can't you can't always do that with the younger kids. Eventually, Alberto wins the championship. This dude's just like OP at sports. He's just he's just like really, really good. And his dad agrees to like he his dad will continue to support him, but just rein it in every now and then. 
Yeah, he makes a joke about uh, Alberto like tosses out the trash and he does a, a perfect Kobe uh, and <laughs> kind of gets it in swish swish. And then his dad makes a joke about him having, uh, you know, he should try a basketball. And Alberto's like, oh, no, you're at it again. And his dad's like, oh, no, I'm just joking. Or is he? So yeah. it seems like he hasn't quite shaken his enthusiasm yet. Yeah, and, like, it's, hmm. I, uh, we, we've had characters whose part of their personality is that they're good at sports. But it's like, is Alberto bad at anything? Uh, I wonder. We don't have the depth of character yet there for him. And now a word from us kids. This is a third grade class, and they're all working on rhyming cheers, <laughs> like uh, Mr. Molina was. I'm just like, huh, okay, what message should we take away from this? Um, Think of some cheers, I suppose. Um, yeah, sometimes they get these kids to, like, pontificate about, you know, the moral of the episode. You know, what did this person do to hurt this person, and how do they deal with this situation? You're not really going to get these kids to talk shop about... Um, you know, an overbearing parent kind of uh, <laughs> letting a 13-year-old uh, have some autonomy in their endeavors. Uh, so instead, they kind of focus on the rhyming cheer part, and they just kind of get these kids spitting a little bit. And that's really it. It feels very tangentially related to the episode. This is one of those word from us kids where, you know, a lot of them you, you could tell that we went into a school, an elementary school classroom, and we really built a lesson around the Arthur episode, or like an activity around the Arthur episode. This right. one feels like we're just a fly on the wall for a random elementary school class. Now, they do cite the episode as the catalyst for this exercise, but right, it is a lot of just like planning and then execution. Um, this The cheers actually started off great, but it was... So, like, they did this little cheer, all of them, where they just all went, fantastic. And they did a little arm pump, and I'm like, oh, that's a good one. And then the other ones, IMO, didn't quite live up to that because they had to follow the rhyming scheme. And eh, some of these kids are better at rhyming than others. I will say my favorite one is these two boys who did, like, a cheer about pepper. And, it was you know, including the line, whoa, 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 it's hot, hot, hot about putting too much pepper on food. And so I liked I liked that one. I thought that they were spitting on that one. I don't know if any of the others stood out to you. Yeah, no, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, we got to we got some we got some rhymes, we got some misses. I'll leave I'll leave it to Fantano to uh to judge how th- this one went over. Hi everybody, it's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. 
Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. Buster Bombs is the name of the next one. Typically, that is the name of the episode. I did look up on, again, the Arthur Wiki. Hey, feel free to sponsor us, the Arthur Wiki, or just make an entry about us. And there are there was a time where this episode's name was changed to Buster Flops because the episode came out a little bit after the Boston bombing, if you remember that. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, we're going to, I mean, we're going to... If you remember that, oh, trust me. (laughs) I remember the Mark Wahlberg movie where Mark Wahlberg was like, and and then I got the bombers. What movie was that? Uh, Well, okay, fun fact about that movie. I think it's called Patriot's Day. Uh, Okay. Mark Wahlberg, I have a fun fact about that movie, which is that in international markets, that movie's just called Boston. Um, (laughs) Boston... But it's like everybody knows the famous Mark Wahlberg tweet, or I think it might be an interview where he talks about if he was at 9-11, yeah. you know, would have went down different. Uh, yeah, it's called Patriot's Day. Uh, and there's this whole genre of Mark Wahlberg movie where it's just like him inserting himself in these like famous, uh, uh, you know, lone survivor, deep water horizon. It's all about Mark Wahlberg being in the right place at the right time to save the day. Uh, at these very real events, um, and Patriots Day is the Boston bombing one, where Mark Wahlberg was the the cop who tracked down the Boston bombers. It's actually a pretty entertaining flick. Like it's it's okay. uh, very much a you know almost uh, it's Peter Berg. So it's 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 you know if you've seen um, uh, like Copland or Friday Night Lights or right. uh, the the, the kingdom, um, you know, not high art here, uh, kind of Michael Bay adjacent, but kind of an yeah. entertaining movie. Or like the Deepwater uh, Horizon movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, or the, exactly. Or the Benghazi movie. Oh, well, that one's really bad. That Benghazi movie is actually really terrible. Okay. Um, but uh, I will say that uh, it's just funny to me that the movie is called Boston in international Boston. crazy. So, yeah, the Boston bombing happened earlier in 2013, and this came out about six months later. So Buster Flops is its alternate name. Obviously, since this is a, this is a show with heavier ties to the, you know, the Massachusetts area, uh, because of where PBS broadcasts, I can see why it would need, want to be changed in other in in some regards. But we we will refer to it as Buster Bombs, and it is a Buster episode. He introduces us to his comedy garden because, as we all know, he has a community garden that he takes care of. But he also has a comedy garden, so we get a couple of yeah. And he even says it just that way. He goes, "Everybody knows that I have a community garden." <laughs> but did you know as that you know, I had a as comedy- you know. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he asked, did we know if he had a comedy garden? I did not know this. This game is a surprise to me. No, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different prop uh, prop plants. So, the, including there's a clown nose bush where he squeaks one and and he says something to the effect of like, ah, these need a little bit more time on the vine or something. There are uh, flowers that squirt water. There's a banana peel patch that he falls over, and the one that we finally come to is the joke tree, and Buster. Picks off they're like pieces of paper on a tree, and he picks one off, and he reads it, and it's like it's just an old joke. It's a bunch of like jokes we've all heard before. Like, why did the chicken cross the road? What's black and white and red all over? And Buster's getting worried because he can't find a joke that lands. He can't find a funny joke, and that extends to the matter of the episode, which is that all of Buster's material that he normally does on his friends, and by material I just mean the jokes that he tells are starting to run dry, and he's worried that he's not funny. So this initial uh, joke that he tells about the sausages, it gets a big laugh. He tells it once, it gets a big laugh. He tells it twice, it gets like a laugh from Binky, and Arthur does a snort. There's a running gag throughout this episode where Arthur keeps snorting up liquid. And then he does it three, he tells it three times, and everybody's like, well, we've heard that before. And... Arthur says that he didn't actually find the joke funny to begin with, but he got so creeped out by it that it made him snort, which made him snort up the things he was drinking. I think it was like water and orange soda. You ever get so creeped out by something that you like snort that that's your reaction to it? No, this whole bit is really confusing because like Arthur snorts, but he's got a big frown on his face and he does this like twice and this whole section is supposed to, like, show that Buster's telling the same joke over and over again, and every time it, like, hits less. But Arthur snorts each time. So I was like, okay, if the joke's supposed to be less funny, like, why is Arthur snorting? And then it's like, well, okay, why is Arthur not even smiling while he's snorting? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, he explains the reason he was snorting is because he's so creeped out by the idea of a talking sausage. That's, like, so viscerally disturbing to him. Um and I was, it, it's just odd. And it's also like, why is he snorting? Like, it, it, a spit take would almost make more sense. Yeah, um, you're it's right. It's really, really strange. <laughs> it's, and I mean, it's also a bit strange because Buster tells this joke three times and twice it's to the same audience. And he's like, oh, maybe I'm not funny anymore. It's just like, no, dude, it's just been a 24-hour period and you've told the same joke three times. Like, you need to get new materials. But this sends him into a bit of a... A bit of a spiral. Um, have you ever laughed so hard you had uh, liquid come out of your nose? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, yeah, definitely. I couldn't remember the exact instance, but I feel like uh, I was drinking something through a straw, milkshake style, and just yeah. yucking it up. How about yourself? No? I want to say no. Like, I don't... Mm. Maybe maybe once in my entire life, but it's never... It, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think I'm just too hyper aware of my surroundings at all times that I'd be like too afraid to do that lest I look foolish. So I'm, I'm sure it's a pretty regular occurrence, but nothing stands out to me. So Buster buys, buys this new joke book and he's trying out new forms of comedy. The joke book is, and I want to make sure I get this pronunciation correct because it sounds like I'm saying a dirty word when I say Horst Schichter's compendium of comedy. So I don't, I, I couldn't tell from reading it if Horst Schichter is supposed to be like a 
funny name other than the way that it sounds. Of of the fake of the fake books this week, what are, what would you pick up from the library? Well, I do want to read more about Compendium of Comedy. Uh, oh no, actually. I want to read the book that we're going to get to near the end of this episode, probably. Oh, there's but, a third fake book. Oh, yeah. But the yeah. compendium the compendium of comedy is interesting, but it probably has a lot of stuff that I know. The third book that we'll talk about is probably the one I want to get from the library. So this book encourages Buster to try different forms of comedy, and he puts on several shows, uh, for lack of a better term, to his friends. So he puts on a prop comedy show called The Great Baxterini's Prop Comedy Show for Binky in his backyard, in Binky's backyard, and this is a full-on, like, Buster's got a clown suit, he's got ill-matching shoes, he's got the clown nose, everything, and he's trying to, do, he's trying to be Gallagher, essentially, he's trying to break this watermelon, and it's just not breaking, which, at first I thought maybe was the bit he was doing, like, if, if you can't do Gallagher, which, kids, uh, look up Gallagher on YouTube, I suppose. Okay, re- I was gonna ask this, like, Gallagher is this weird cultural reference because I know about Gallagher. Yes. But, you know, I wasn't around in the late 70s, right? That's what Gallagher's apex was, was the late 70s. Yeah. Gallagher really made an impact on people, eh? On boomers specifically. Because I feel like cartoons reference Gallagher. Like, when cartoons are talking about comedy or prop comedy, they're going to talk about Carrot Top and they're going to talk about Gallagher. And we're so far removed and I'm showing my ignorance here. Like, I don't even understand what's, like, the kind of the joke about Gallagher. Like, I don't get, like, he, like, smashed watermelons? Like, did he tell jokes? I think like, was so. was there jokes about smashing the watermelons? Like, I think what he... was up with Gallagher? I just know he had a meltdown on, like, the Mark Barron podcast and, like, <laughs> See, stormed out. That's what I'm more familiar with is because I would listen to podcasts that would make fun of him being on the Mark Maron show and being, like, yeah. this washed-up comedian. Because eventually it just became, like... A joke in the bad way of like, oh yeah, Gallagher breaks a watermelon on stage. And I think there was more to the act than that, although admittedly, I've never really seen it. But I think from like the clips that I've seen, it's just like he does like a like a kind of comedic wind up jokes and then he breaks the watermelon of like, this watermelon represents this. And then just breaks it or something. Like, I don't know. It's just one of those hard to explain Comedi- comedians of the time like I'm sure that we have some today they're probably all on TikTok or something about like why did people find this funny like I've, I mentioned before that uh, one of my shameful habits is that I watch Instagram reels but I saw one recently that was like somebody making a reference to Vine and be and somebody else being like what are you talking about and I'm just like yeah Vine is ages by the day and maybe it's the Gallagher of its time Vine is the Gallagher huh. of the 2010s I, uh, what it reminds me of is I remember the, um, Steve Martin King Tut song was going viral on Twitter. I think this was like last year and okay. everybody was like, how did anyone find this funny? And to <laughs> me, like I kind of find it, I find it a little funny. I see the humor in it, but I feel like Gallagher's that for me where I'm so far removed from the context of the time that like I, it doesn't even register as humor to me that like the guy like smashed watermelons. I feel like the story of Gallagher is far more interesting and funny than like his actual himself like him walking off of mark Marin, the fact that his like brother was like fake gallagher yeah that's, gallagher that's, 2 gallagher 2 that's like the legend of gallagher is far more interesting than like 
like, I just don't understand. I, I'm literally perplexed. Like, I, it sounds like I'm playing dumb here, but I'm perplexed on how, like, the smash like the watermelon was, like, a joke. Like, I just don't get it. Uh, but yeah, just, it's it's not of my time, right? Yeah, the pure gimmickry of it, of just, like, so you had a guy whose whole thing was bringing a watermelon. You can even extend that to, as you said earlier, like, Carrot Top of, like, wait a minute. Yeah. This guy who does prop comedy, we gave him a movie, and then he became, like, super jacked or something? Well, does okay. he still do comedy? I don't know. And to bring this full circle, this is why I, we're listen. We're we chewed through that first episode, so we could spend extra time on Gallagher, <laughs> especially with no emails. Um, but like, it really did make a huge cultural impact because I feel like Gallagher is one of the most to this day. They're still parodying him in, in cartoons and stuff. Yeah, and kids do not know about any of this. I barely <laughs> do. So it's just so crazy that there was such a widespread cultural reach with Gallagher. And the whole thing was like, it was, yeah, it was like a guy with funny hair and a mustache who would smash watermelons. And then that's just one of the most famous comedic American acts of all time. Like, it's funny you say that because I came across a tweet yesterday that was talking about how, um, in current media that's either made for kids or like a little bit above kids, that kids would still be watching, uh, how like the references to old media are aging or like getting more recent so for an example you know i watched family guy probably before i was supposed to when i was like 12 or 13 or something and that's how i found out about old shows like you know the brady bunch or three's company or they even had like a bunch of references to the sound of music so it's just like all this stuff that i didn't know about and then found out about because of it and i saw a clip it was from teen titans go and it was they were talking to a guy who worked on mr belvedere and just like okay, so the old, like the references to what constitutes like old media are aging up a little bit because Mr. Belvedere I think was like the '80s, whereas Seth MacFarlane in the 2000s was referencing media from the '60s. So before too long, and I mean, in this episode of, in this episode we're gonna we're just about to get to it. We're already talking about things that like no kid is gonna is gonna is gonna know. So Gallagher, like you said, uh, Buster's trying to do all this prop comedy with a watermelon. Then he tries his take on stand-up, which is just Seinfeld. It's Buster against well, the against I, the school wall. I and it's he's, a little bit more universal. I think this is just a universal observational comedy well, bit. It's, sure, it's not quite uh, like the Gallagher thing is much more specifically Gallagher. This I kind of liked because I, I this is just a take on a bad stand-up comedy. But did you notice? So Buster is against a brick wall. He's got a carrot for a microphone. He's talking to. Brain and Muffy, when they get when they start that scene, they do a little bass riff on the soundtrack. Oh, see, they do I like didn't a, notice that. They, 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 you know, it's not totally like Seinfeld, but it's just like that's what they're trying to do. And what he's doing is, like you said, very bad observational stand-up. Um, I, I was more fixated. This is one of my favorite visual. I think this is my favorite visual gag in the entire episode this week. Is the fact that not only is he like using a carrot as like a fake microphone, not only is he standing in front of a brick wall, but he brought a stool and a glass of water from like <laughs> uh, from inside the school and outside, um, and that's just really funny to me. The the committing the committing to there's like a stool with a glass of water that he doesn't touch this whole time. By the way, it's just there as a prop. Um, he does drink to... from the glass though. Oh, okay, okay, but he does what? not sit on the stool. He, he doesn't. He, he doesn't try to. I'm, I'm gonna be. He doesn't. I'm gonna be a little bit uncouth here. He doesn't try to have relations with the stool. He doesn't like kick the stool. He doesn't do any kind of classic comedian riffs with the stool. 
No, he's not like Joe Rogan in the mm-hmm. in the in the mm-hmm. in the former sense. Um, but Muffy and Brain aren't really having it, and we get another Brainism of him just completely dismantling a joke because it doesn't make sense, which I think drives us both crazy. Um, Buster tells a joke, and Muffy responds to it by saying, "Like my dad knew someone who was bit by a monkey once," and then I wrote next to it, "But you." That's what you are. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you were bit by a person, that'd be pretty crazy. It's, it's <laughs> who knows? Animal hierarchy, folks. Look it up. Yeah. Uh, Muffy also has a great thing here. When Buster's completely bombed, like he it, it totally fails and he drink like he takes a big gulp of water because he's nervous at the end. And then Muffy says, I'll tell you what funny isn't this it's like <laughs> withering. Uh, I loved it. One last thing that he wants to try is the pie-in-the-face gag. I've prepared a pie-in-the-face gag, and he is getting Arthur. I'm hoping they didn't bake all of these. I hope they just bought them, but they have a bunch of pies, and Arthur's testing out them. So there's like a cream pie, there's a uh, raspberry pie, there's a blueberry pie, and Arthur slowly is just like throws every single one at Buster until he's covered head-to-toe in pie-filling. And none of it was none of it was funny to either of them. And Buster's desperate at this point. He's completely covered in pie. And Arthur's like, what do we do? And Buster says, there's quiche in the fridge. Try that. And this gets him a little bit in trouble with Bitsy. But she also reminds him that she does the thing where it's like, I think you're funny. And (laughs) I always appreciate that, like, whenever they try to do the thing of like, oh, my parents think I'm cool or my mom thinks I'm funny, the kids are always just like, yeah, okay, whatever. That doesn't really mean anything. But Bitsy reminds Buster that his favorite comedian is in town doing a book signing whose name is Vince Ruckles. Now, this didn't stick out to me at first, but the Arthur Wiki came through again because Vince Ruckles... It could be and likely is a reference to Don Rickles. Ah, I was trying to think what famous comedian this was supposed to be a uh, kind of a reference to. Um, and that's I'm not very familiar with Don Rickles, so it makes sense that I kind of uh, didn't recognize him. But for a second, I, I Googled, I was like, is Vince Ruckles a real person? Is this like one of those random jazz musicians that I never <laughs> heard of? Uh, but no, Vince Ruckles, not real. Uh, but that makes sense that he's... Uh, uh, reference to Don Rickles, famed Johnny Carson guest Don Rickles. No, it's like if they wanted to get a comedian at the time, it's just like, it's like, sweetie, it's your favorite comedian, Bill Burr. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a mention here, and I always, I always like these of how Buster and his dad used to do Vince Ruckles routines for hours, and they, they both really bonded over him. Uh, back when Bitsy and Bo were together. So Buster goes to this book signing. The book is called My Yucky Life by Vince Ruckles. And that's as in, like, I thought it would be spelled Y-U-K hyphen Y, but it is Y-U-C-K-Y. So I'm still guessing he means, like, yucks as in laughs. And this is the book I'd want to read. I just want to know more about this Vince Ruckles guy. I I feel like this is similar to the way that Don Rickles was, of just very very fast, very, like, observational, of just like, hey, I didn't write down any of the jokes, but... It's very much always responding to something that the people are saying. And Buster asks how Vince Ruckles is, like, how he's able to be funny. And his suggestion is for Buster to stop trying to be funny and focus on being himself. Which, it comes off better when they have Vince Ruckles say it because it's a little bit 
a tiny bit more than that. But when I write it down like that, it's just like, oh, man, that's it. It, 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 it is, but they say it a little bit better than that. And that actually works. Buster takes the pressure off of himself to be funny all the time. And he even had a bit of correspondence with Mrs. McGrady throughout the episode. And he ends up just not even not even trying. But even not trying to be funny, Buster is just putting down the punchlines left and right. Uh, just accidentally making all these jokes and... Uh, makes everybody laugh again. Again, I didn't really take any of these down because none of none of them none of them made me laugh. But uh he he does get back in everybody's good graces and he's back. Like his his comedy bone is is back in business. And those are our Arthur stories for today. Let's wind it back to our first true Molina episode, focus episode and Alberto focus episode. Molina's Mulligan uh, Lucas, what did you think? Kind of mid. Kind of mid. It's not yeah. bad. But, uh, you know, Alberto doesn't really have much to do besides be good at sports um, and be embarrassed by his dad. That's kind of the kind of little bit of character that we get from him. Um, Alberto's dad doesn't do much besides, you know, be a little bit too excited uh, and then learns to kind of loosen the leash on his son and, and learn how to be proud of him without being so in your face about it. And it, that's really it. There's no B-plot this episode. Um, it's pretty, like, light on characterization or rising action or pretty much every, anything. Like, there's basically... A, once Alberto plays uh, golf the second time, or the first time, rather, against uh, Chip, um, that's c- kind of the first piece of the episode, and then he plays golf the second time against Chip, and then the episode kind of just wraps up. And that's everything. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not like it was overtly bad or if there was anything that didn't make sense or upset me. Like, there's an arc to it. You know, there's a lesson to be learned. Uh, it just felt so light on content. Um, as you probably... I have, like, four notes for the thing. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, light on content is a good way to describe that. I'm also kind of like, yeah. I do appreciate, again, that it is making more use out of a character that is often relegated to the background or just a side plot but we just we we need to give Alberto a little bit more here. Like we need to give him a bit more uh, character f- like flaws. Like let's just like you know he got he got frustrated his dad. But yeah, but he's like a natural athlete and good at everything. So like I don't know. I, I, we need to make his character give him a little bit more something to de- to chew with here. And yeah, it was just like eh, it's fine. You might like it more if you're into golf, but I'm not. I'm not especially into golf. But yeah, it was a little bit of a stock storyline and yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't can't summon up a lot of energy about it. And to be honest with you, I feel similarly to Buster bombs, but at least with this one, it's like we're focusing on Buster, which is good. We're getting back into like the main characters of the show. And there were some interesting like bits here and there, like uh, the inclusion of Vince, Vince Ruckles, as we said, like the weird references to real comedians, which obviously inspired the most discussion out of us. And I just felt that like you, you, you expressed confusion at the beginning of like, why, why is this like, why is this like this? Why was that the choice? And I'm also just like, not even like, not to, I don't even think this is a bad story. It's just like the way about telling it is so strange and didn't really hit for me. Also, 
a bit mid, as you said, for the previous one, but in a different way. I was just almost I was left almost a little bit like confused as to how to feel. I don't know. It's just parts parts of it were 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 all right. Some good lines in there, but yeah, I'm I'm just also a little bit cool on it. Yeah, I mean, I liked it more than the first episode just because I think some of the the joke writing is clever. Even like some of the bad jokes, I always like a little bit of bad comedy. Will it's fun to go to like an open mic and watch someone absolutely bomb because that's kind of <laughs> almost funny in itself, right? Someone trying to do something and failing at it, and it's just kind of uncomfortable, and you can't help but laugh at the uncomfortable situation. So I kind of like. I find the first half of this episode almost more funny when he's just like bombing and everyone's getting annoyed with him. Um, but yeah, another, I, I would also call this one fairly unremarkable. Uh, I, I, I like comedy well enough. Uh, and Arthur episodes, okay, you know what though? Actually, you're making me feel a little bit more critical about it because Arthur episodes can often be very funny. And for an episode that's all supposed to be about joke writing and joke delivery, it's not that funny. It's like, you're right that I was kind of watching it with a straight face for most of the time. Um, so yeah, another fairly unremarkable one this week. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, there's so much time to continue to build upon this season. So hopefully we will continue to do that as we move along here into season 17 of Arthur. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. Now, of course, patrons, next week, you're getting it. It's the next episode of Elwood City Limits Origins. And as we've mentioned the past couple of weeks, Lucas and I are really excited to talk about one of our favorite uh, online sensations. We're going a little bit outside the television dial and logging on to the World Wide Web uh, and tying up the phone line while we're doing it because we're talking about Homestar Runner, which we're going to be collecting. Uh, I believe it, I believe it was um, we're going to do like a a strong bad email, a cartoon, and like something else. We're still a little bit trying to figure out the specific things we want to talk about, but we'll also be going through our personal histories with finding Homestar Runner and the history of the cartoon. And there's a lot of great sources out there for that, so I'm excited to dive into that and present it all to you, and just excited to to talk about something that was, I think, important for both of us at various times in our lives. Yeah, very excited to talk about it, and I love that we're getting creative on ECL Origins. It doesn't just have to be a cartoon, it can be whatever we want. Absolutely, and there's so much left open. ECL Origins is definitely an exciting addition to the Patreon Patreon lineup. So if you're interested to hear the episodes we've already done, uh, patreon.com slash Limits and pay what you want. You get episodes of ECL one week early, and you also get the full episodes of ECL Origins. And for the kids, a PBS Kids podcast. Our most recent one was on Peep and the Big Wide World, and we'll be coming back to that again next month. But... ECL Origins is coming up next week. And then we will be getting into Elwood City Limits, another episode. We're going to be talking about Opposites Distract and Just the Ticket. So we'll find out what that is about the next time we are hanging out here for another episode of Arthur. So thanks a lot again for joining us. And as always, my name's Will Young. And for Lucas Mancini. Ah, smells like comedy. We'll see you next time.